thanks for joining us this morning and uh, it's great to be here with the church family to gather around the word of god together today is actually our last sermon from the book of ephesians this letter of the apostle paul to the early church in ephesus uh, the series that we've been going through called one about the unity that we have in jesus christ and i hope that it's been a journey that's helped you understand what it means to be church and what it means to live with jesus christ as our one lord and our one savior uh, next week we'll be starting a brand new series and that will be on the book of deuteronomy deuteronomy which is a crucial book to actually understand the theology of the entire bible so i don't know if you've ever dug into deuteronomy but i'd encourage you to be preparing yourself have a read through this book as we get stuck into it next week onwards uh, and it promises to be a great series and one that you can be inviting your friends to as well i love to encourage you to invite your friends Every week is a good week to invite somebody here at CP Church, so I'd encourage you to be bringing friends along to hear the gospel at work. Now, I want to start by just sharing something with you, and this is something that not all of you may know or not all of you may actually believe, but uh, when I was younger, I used to actually be a sprinter. I used to be a fast runner. So when I was in high school, I was uh, one of the fastest runners in my year at Mansfield State High. I won the 100-meter final for, uh, in year 12, which was the premier race back then. And it, I was so fast that I actually got to go to the next level, the representative level, where I got to compete against other schools, the inter-school competition. Now, what I used to pride myself on was the fact that I never trained, that it was, it was all natural right like I could just rock up and I could run and, and I could do well uh, so you know that's what I that's what I loved uh, about the way that I ran but uh, I never trained I never diet you know had a special diet I didn't even I didn't even know how to use starting blocks I just stood there and ran I never I never bothered to even learn that but when I went to this inter-school competition I realized something I realized that I was in trouble because when I lined up at the 100-meter final race with all the other schools, um, and I was standing there, and I looked at the guys beside me, and I was this 17-year-old skinny Asian kid, and I, and I looked 17, probably looked 15, actually, and I looked at these guys next to me, and they looked about 30 years old. <laughs> they had beards. Uh, I, I remember thinking distinctly as I looked at one guy, and I looked at his leg, and I thought, he's got more muscles in his leg than my entire body how will I win this? But, you know, I ran my hardest. I wasn't going to give up, so the starting gun went, and I ran, and I ran the race of my life. I ran my heart out, and I came last. <laughs> I got completely obliterated, completely destroyed. It was not even close. Because I didn't understand the situation that I was going into. I completely misread the situation. I didn't understand the reality. I had underestimated my opponents I'd overestimated my own ability and I went in severely unprepared and there was no hope that I was going to win that race no hope at all and friends that's what life is like a bit too we need to understand the reality that we're living in don't we because if we don't actually understand the reality that we live in there's no hope that we're going to actually be prepared enough to face that reality and there's no hope that we're going to win when life throws its challenges against us. So the question I want to ask you today is, do you understand your reality? Do you really get the reality that we live in? 
I want to propose to you something as we read from Ephesians 6 today, that there's a reality that we're in, a reality that we're dealing with, that most of us have no idea about, or most of us don't, don't think about at all. And because of that, we are so underprepared that there's no hope that we will win in this situation. But this is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. We'll be looking at that today from Ephesians 6, 10 to 24. And in Ephesians 6, 10 to 24, we'll be going through a few points. Uh, number one is that we need to take a reality check. Number two is we need to prepare for battle. And number, th- number three, don't fight alone. And our first point is take a reality check. Have a look at me with me at Ephesians 6, verse 10. Keep your Bibles open. Read along with me. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Friends, as we look at this verse, here's here's the first thing that we just need to grasp. Here's the reality that we're dealing with. We are at war. We are at war. We can't see it, but all around us rages a spiritual battle. We're in a battlefield. There's a war going on, and our enemy that we face is the devil and his evil forces. We're facing a murderous enemy who will do anything that it takes to destroy you completely destroy you. That's the reality that we face. And that's the first thing that we need to understand, that we are at war. And we need to know the enemy that we're fighting against. This enemy, the first point we need to know about this enemy is that this enemy is powerful. Look at the description of the enemy that we face in verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is the enemy that we face. It's an enemy with power, with rule, with authority. And you can see that in this world, can't you, as you look around? Because this world is a mess. It's a mess. This world's broken. The poverty, the injustice the violence, the terrorism. Everywhere you look, even as you, as you turn on the news every single day, you see how broken and messed up the world is. And the reason for that, friends, let me tell you something, is the reason for that is something called sin. Sin that lives in here, in all of us. The fact that we humans, we live in rebellion. We don't live according to what God wants but we live according to what we want. We live out our sinful desires and we completely wreck this world that we live in. We don't live God's way. Let me tell you something. Even though it's us humans who, you know, it's our sin, we're responsible. The devil and his evil forces, you know what? He's out there and he's using us. He's influencing us. He's tempting us. He's using our sin to destroy this world, to destroy each other. But most of all, He's doing that to destroy our souls. 
because there's nothing the devil wants more than for you to keep on living for yourself, to keep on living in sin and to not live God's way. He's out there trying to drag as many people as he can to hell with him. And he does that by using sin. You and I both know sin is a powerful weapon that the, we, want, we want to stop. That's so hard. That the power of sin is real. That that's a reality. And this is the enemy. The devil's using sin against us. Don't underestimate him. He's powerful. And not only is he powerful, but the second thing we need to understand again about our enemy is that he's cunning. Have a look at verse 11, where it says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The way the enemy attacks is smart. It's cunning. You see in verse 11, it's, it's a scheming way of coming to attack us. Let me tell you something. If the devil appeared in church today and... Uh, you saw him, this uh, devilish creature with horns and a pitchfork, and he said to us today, he said, bow down to me, don't worship God, sacrifice your children to me. My guess is that most of you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't just bow down and worship the devil. And he knows that. He's smart. He doesn't do that sort of thing. Don't forget every apocalyptic movie that you've ever seen, okay? Because that's not how the devil works. You know how he works. He whispers in our ear. He's the father of lies. He deceives us. He says things like this to us. He says, hey, you don't have to say sorry to your husband. You don't have to say sorry to your wife. You're right. They are wrong, and they will see that one day. Hey, you need that new phone. You do. It doesn't matter how much it costs. Everyone else has it. And guess what? You made your money. You deserve it. Do whatever you want. Enjoy yourself. It's yours. It's yours. Hey, you could share the gospel with your friend. Yeah, that might be a good thing, but do you really want to do that? Because they're going to think that you're a loser. I don't think it's worth it. Don't worry about it. Hey, it's just... It's just a little bit of porn. It won't hurt anybody. No one will even know about it. Don't worry. Hey, it's okay. You're tired. You don't have to read your Bible. You can read it tomorrow. Or if you're tired, don't worry. Just do it another day. You'll get it done eventually. You don't have to read your Bible today. Hey, prayer's good. But you know what? There's a new series on Netflix that you need to watch. So I think you better do that instead. Everyone else is watching it. Hey, look at your family. It's a complete mess. You are worthless. What's going on with your life? God doesn't love you. Even he thinks you're worthless. Hey, look at all the things happening in your life. Your business is failing. Your studies are going bad. Financially, things aren't well. Well, that means you're a failure. God definitely doesn't love you. This is how he attacks. He whispers lies into our ears. It's, it's subtle. It's not this 
front, full frontal attack that he just influences us. He deceives us. He manipulates us. And every time, every time we engage in sin, every t- and every time we don't do what we're supposed to, that every time we neglect God through the word and prayer and we don't spend time with Him, or every time that we doubt God's goodness and who He is, every time that happens, the devil wins. Is He winning in your life? Is he winning? There's a 1990s movie called The Usual Suspects, and in it is a great quote. It says, uh, and the quote goes something like this, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And friends, I think that's our problem. Because as we encounter all of these things in life, uh, we're not thinking, hey, this is the attack of the devil. We're thinking this is all quite normal, that this is just how life is. And that's exactly how he wants you to think. Because he does not want you to be prepared for the spiritual fight that's coming. He wants you to not even think about the fact that it is him doing these things. He wants you to think he's a fairy tale. There's probably a bunch of you here who think the devil is not real, that this sounds ridiculous, this sounds like some sort of mythical fairy tale story. That's exactly what he wants you to think. So you're not ready. We need a reality check, friends. The devil is real. He is powerful. He is cunning. And he's out to get you. So we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. We need a wartime mentality. That's what we need. A wartime mentality. When I talk about a wartime mentality, it's hard for us to understand because we live in peacetime right now, but it was very different in World War II, wasn't it? All the nations around the world participating in this war, it was a very different mindset to how we're living today. Even here in Australia, far away from the battlefields, back in, 19, in the, um, 1941, in the midst of World War II, Australia was a very different place. All the factories were in full war production. There was rationing in place to make sure there was enough food for the citizens in Australia. Uh, We were setting up barbed wire against the uh, beaches of the eastern coast to prevent enemies coming onto the beach. Uh, You weren't even allowed to switch on your lights at nighttime. There was a blackout curfew because if you switched your your lights on, uh, the enemy bombers would know where to attack. There was air raid sirens in place. Families were digging their own air raid shelters in their backyards. That was the reality that was in Australia even. It was a wartime mentality. It was high alert. It was being prepared for the enemy at any time. And if you can imagine, that's what it was like here in Australia. Can you imagine what it was like for the soldiers that were fighting on the front lines in the battlefield over in Europe? Let me tell you, every single moment was life or death. Every moment. There was no changing into your pajamas to go to sleep on the battlefield. You slept in full battle gear with your rifle by your side, ready to fight at any moment because it was a matter of life and death. That's a wartime mentality. And that is exactly what we're called to because we are in a fight. We're in a spiritual fight. And we need a wartime mentality. I guarantee you, as soon as you let your guard down, the devil will attack. He's just waiting. So we need to be alert. 
Friends, here's the bottom line. We are at war. We are at war. If you don't get that, if you, if you don't grasp that reality right now, the rest of this sermon is useless for you. The first thing we need to understand is that we are at war. Do you believe that? Be on guard. If this is true, we need to be prepared for battle. Have a look at verse 13 with me. <clears throat> verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The first thing we need to think of when we look at this passage is we need to understand what it means to win against the devil. Um, have a look at these words here. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then. Do you see that repeated word? Do you see that theme? Do you see what our call is? Our call is to stand firm. We aren't called to obliterate the devil. We aren't called to crush him we our call is to stand firm it's to stand firm it's to hang on because what he's trying to do is to discourage you he's trying to drag you down he's trying to make you quit he's trying to make you give up on being a christian that's what he wants or if you're not a christian he doesn't even want you to get anywhere near there the call here is to stand firm and here's what we need to do stand firm and we do that by putting on the armor of God the apostle Paul uh, uses the description of a Roman soldier in full battle gear and he lists the different pieces of armor you can see all the armor there the breastplate the helmet the shield uh, the belt the shoes everything that picture the apostle Paul he had a lot of experience with Roman soldiers he was always getting locked up by them so I'm sure he's got this image in his head well and we're just going to run through this armor of god now Uh, some things we'll spend a little bit more time on but the first one that we'll look at is the belt of truth truth comes up multiple times in the book of ephesians multiple times but what is it well ephesians 1 13 says this and you you also were included in christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation the gospel of your salvation. The truth that we need to strap on, the first thing that we need to strap on, the first thing listed is the gospel of salvation. The good news, that's what the gospel means. The good news that Jesus Christ has come and lived the perfect life and died on the cross to pay the price for our sins and that he's risen from the grave in victory. That good news, that gospel is the truth that we need to hold on to. And we need to get that right first and foremost, otherwise we have no hope of standing. This is the foundation that we need, the belt of truth. Are you convinced of the truth of the gospel? Because this is where it begins. Without this foundation, you have no hope to stand firm against the devil. So hold on. 
to the truth of salvation. Strap on the belt of truth. The next is the breastplate of righteousness. This armor is actually the same armor that's worn by God himself. Have a look at Isaiah 59, verse 17. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. This is a picture in Isaiah of God coming as a warrior to free his people, to vindicate his people, to have victory over the enemy. And when we think about this verse, it's comforting, isn't it? Because we wear the very armor of God himself, the same armor that he wears as a warrior as he goes into battle. This is the, uh, the, the breastplate of righteousness so that when we go into battle, the God who is utterly righteous, utterly good, he imputes his righteousness onto us so that we have this righteousness. And our calling in Ephesians, if you remember the past few chapters, is this, is to live righteous lives. To live righteous lives in accordance with our righteous identities as his people. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because remember what the devil wants. He wants you to sin. He wants you to sin. So every time we take a step towards righteousness, that's a punch in his face against what he wants us to do. When we say no to that lustful temptation, when we say no to lying on our tax return, when we don't give in to our anger as our kids are pushing us to the limit over and over again, every time we say no to sin, then the devil isn't winning. You are winning. God's winning. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Next is the sandals of gospel readiness. This one's a bit of a funny one. Have a look at what it actually says in Ephesians 6, verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It does actually describe a particular piece of armor itself. It could be boots, it could be sandals. But when you think about what this verse is saying, that readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, that's what we need to put on. Because remember what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to drag as many souls as he can with him down to hell. He's trying to pull as many people as he can away from God. And we can't just sit idly by and let that happen. We need to strap on these shoes. We need readiness to actually go out there and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to win people to God's side, to drag them away from Satan's side. Because every time we bring someone into the kingdom of God, it's an enormous blow to the devil. It's an enormous blow to his plans to take people to hell with him. And we need to be ready to do that at every opportunity. So let me ask you, are you ready? Have you strapped on the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace? If you're not ready, what will it take you to get ready to do this? I think it needs to start with a willingness it needs to start with a boldness to do it. That needs to start with prayer. You, you, we need to pray for this. That comes from God. But then after that, we need to get equipped to do this. Let me ask you, if I ask you to 
sit down and explain to a complete non-Christian who's got no idea about the Bible, uh, and they ask you, what's this gospel thing? Can you explain it to me? Um, could you do that with confidence? My observation over the many years of, that I've been uh, doing ministry over the place is that um, people have a vague idea of the gospel, something about Jesus, something about sins, you know, believe, something like that. But when, they, when, when I talk to them, I ask them, can you explain it to me? What do you actually think it is? People struggle. Most people really, really struggle. I wonder if that's your experience. Friends, we need to get the gospel crystal clear in our minds. Because if we want to explain it to people, we need to know it crystal clear. We need to know it like the back of our hands. So I recommend to you to, to learn a gospel framework, to learn a, a guideline to actually shape your gospel presentation around so that you can speak the truth clearly to others. When I was doing my ministry apprenticeship, that's where I learned um, Two Ways to Live, which is a gospel framework, uh, an excellent gospel framework. And I don't think that there's a week that goes by that I don't draw on that to actually teach others and to explain to myself what the gospel is. So get equipped, friends. If you're not confident in telling the gospel, then you need to do something about that because God's call is for us to be ready, ready to go out with our shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet that bring the good news. The shield of faith. Now, these shields are uh, little shields uh, that were just carried um, on the arm here uh, to protect against swords, but the shields that we're, we're talking about are full-length uh, rectangular shields shaped like a door, uh, and they were used to protect soldiers against volleys of arrows on the battlefield. Volleys of arrows. And if you didn't have a shield like that to protect your entire body as you're marching forward onto the battlefield, then you were dead, absolutely dead. And the picture that we actually get in this verse is the devil launching a volley of flaming arrows. They're not even normal arrows, right? They're flaming arrows that when they hit you, you catch a light on fire. This is a picture of extreme danger, that the devil is launching thousands of arrows at us, volley after volley. And if we don't have a shield to protect us, we are dead. There is no hope for us. And the shield that we're talking about here is faith. Faith. That's not just any faith. Because let me tell you, faith in yourself is not going to do anything. That will not protect you. You can't think, oh, I'm going to be strong against this. Oh, I, my willpower is going to be good enough. This is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the power of God alone. The faith that leads to salvation. That is our ultimate protection. And let me talk to you a little bit about salvation because the next thing that we're talking about is the helmet of salvation. And when you think about it, protection for your head on the battlefield uh, or protection for your head anywhere uh, when you're riding your bike, you know, it's law, isn't it? Because the head is that vital organ, a blow to your head and it's all over. So the head, this most important piece of armor, this crowning protection, what is it? What is it described as here? It's salvation. The helmet of salvation we place salvation on our heads. A salvation, friends, that has been won already. An emphatic salvation won for us in Jesus Christ. 
Have a look at Ephesians 2, verse 8, as we go back in Ephesians. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. I said before that our call is to stand firm. If you remember, that our call is not to crush the enemy, not to obliterate the enemy, not to destroy the enemy, but to stand firm. And I'll tell you why that's the call. Because Jesus Christ has already beaten the enemy. We don't have to beat him because he's defeated already. Jesus has crushed him. He's obliterated him. He is victorious over the devil. That's not our job. That's not our job. When Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed the power of sin. And as he rose from the grave again, he took away the devil's greatest weapon, death. That death would rule over us forever, that it would enslave us forever, that we could not defeat death. Because Jesus defeats death and he gives us that as well, that we can overcome death and have eternal life with him. Jesus Christ has beaten the devil. He's neutralized his greatest enemy, death. And sin, while it's still present in this world, as we talked about, it's still present. It does not enslave us anymore. We can actually overcome it with the power of Jesus on our side because Jesus has broken its slavery. Friends, salvation is not a distant reality. Salvation is here. We have it. We have it. We have victory already. And one thing I want you to remember from this sermon, if you remember one thing, remember this. We fight the war knowing Jesus has won the war. We fight the war knowing Jesus has won the war. But there is still a fight to fight. We still fight. It's sort of like this. What's going on at the moment is that um, imagine a boxing match and uh, there's Jesus, uh, it's, it's God versus the devil and the devil's been delivered the knockout punch, the final punch, and he's just about to hit the canvas. But he's stumbling around He's stumbling around and he's swinging his arms around and he's trying to inflict as much damage as he can before he hits that canvas. That's the time of that that's the time that we're living in right now. That the knockout punch has been given, that that final blow has been given by Jesus Christ. That the devil is on his way down, he's going to hit the ground, but on his way down, he's swinging. And that's a real danger and he's out to take as many as he can down with him. The victory has been won. But remember, the fight continues. That's why this passage is here. But take heart in the fact that Jesus Christ is victorious. And the last piece of the armor is the sword of the Spirit. Now, this is the only offensive weapon on the list. Right? Everything else is armor. This is the only offensive weapon. And it describes a short sword, a dagger even, uh, that the soldiers used to carry onto the battlefield. And what this tells us is that this fight that we're engaged in is not a long-distance, long-range battle. We're going toe-to-toe with the enemy. We're on the front lines. We're face-to-face. You know, we, can, we can hear him. We can smell him. We're, he's right there. He's right in front of us. This is close combat that we're talking about. And the weapon, the only weapon that we have is the Word of God. The Word of God. Friends, as we declare the word of God, that is our offensive 
That's our attack on the devil. As we declare the truth of God's word to each other, what are we doing there? We counter the lies that the devil uses to undermine our faith and to bring us down as we encourage and spur one one another on with the word of God. As we declare the word of God to non-Christians, what are we doing? Well, we're dragging people away from the devil. We're bringing them into safety. We're foiling his plans. As we speak the word of God to ourselves, what do we do? We strengthen ourselves. We encourage ourselves. We are transformed by the word of God to be more and more like Jesus. Do you see the power of the word of God? That, this is the weapon that we've been given, the sword of the spirit. This is what it's called, the sword of the spirit, that tight linkage of this work of the spirit through God's word. This is the weapon that we bring to the battle. This is the weapon we fight with. It's a powerful weapon. So friends, let me ask you, are you ready to use your sword? Are you ready? Is your sword sitting on a shelf somewhere thick with dust, unused, unpracticed, so that even if the fight came, you wouldn't have a clue what to do with it? Or do you have your sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, by your side, ready, sharpened, ready for the fight at any moment? You know, one discipline I think we've lost over the decades is actually memorizing Scripture. Don't you think? This is something that I've been trying to get back into recently for myself, and it's hard work. I think in an age where everything's at our fingertips, we can just look at our apps and get the Bible anytime we want. We, we don't value this sort of thing anymore. But I've been trying to get into this recently. It's hard work, but let me tell you, it's so precious. It's so valuable. Because do you know what happens when you look and try to memorize God's Word? You actually you focus on the Word of God. You, you meditate on the Word of God. You internalize the Word of God. It becomes part of who you are. It's ready. It's on the tip of your tongue for you to access and to use and to draw strength from. Memory verses, so important. They're not just for kids. Friends, how many verses can you recite from memory? I'm not saying this as some sort of competition for you to be proud about, but let me ask yourself, how many verses... Honestly, do you know, not just vaguely, oh, Jesus sort of said something like this, but how many verses, the Word of God, do you know? If you were locked up in a prison without a Bible, what would you be drawing on from strength in your mind? Because let me tell you, that's a reality for many of our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have their Bibles, and all they have is their memory of the Scripture to keep them going day by day. Friends, do you see the Word of God as that precious to you? It's precious, it's valuable, it's powerful. So spend some time actually focusing, meditating, remembering God's Word. There's plenty of apps out there. Just Google them for your phone. You can actually use them to help you. I think that's one way we can be ready for the fight, yeah? to draw on those scriptures when we need them, when we're in times of trouble, when our friends need them, to actually be able to just draw on those scriptures. We're in a fight, friends, but as we fight, don't fight alone. Ephesians 6, verse 18. <clears throat> and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me 
that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which, I'm in, which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The vital steps that the Apostle Paul gives us to prepare for battle here are twofold. They're put on the armor of God and they're pray, pray, pray. The word pray here, um, you'll see, is mentioned over and over again. Pray, 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 pray. And we pray. Um, it, this, this is the core, this is part of our core arsenal to fight against evil. And it tells us something, that we don't fight alone. Firstly, we don't fight alone because as we pray, it tells us that God fights alongside us, doesn't he? That God is with us. I hope this has been clear as we've been going through the armor of God because guess what? It's his armor. It's his strength that we're drawing on. God is fighting on our side. The first verse of the entire section should have told you that. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. When we pray, it shows that we depend on a power much greater than ours, that we depend on God and His strength and His might and His power. Prayer is that dependence, is that trust, it's that, it's drawing on God's strength, not ours. Friends, we pray to a God who's powerful, who is in control, who cares and who loves you. So draw on that. We don't fight alone because God fights alongside us but we also don't fight alone because we fight alongside each other have a look at the prayer in uh, Ephesians 6 verse 18 at the end Uh, with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people pray also for me this is what Paul's urging his readers to do pray for all the Lord's people keep praying for all the Lord's people Pray also for me. When we read these verses in Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare, I don't know if you've read them in the past, and you might, you might have been thinking very personally that this is what I need to do, put on the armor, uh, yeah, make sure I've got all these things in place, here's all the things that I need to do, here's all the things I need to work on. Um, now, that's very true, but that's also not the end of the story because that's a very individualistic way of looking at this passage. And if you remember what this book of Ephesians is all about, can you remember what it's about? It's about unity in Christ together as one people in Jesus. Because we are one church. We are one new people. We are one family. And guess what? Family, we fight for each other. We're not alone in this. That's the call here. Don't fight alone. We stand shoulder to shoulder on the battlefield, getting ready for the enemy as he comes towards us. And we draw strength from one another. We were never meant to do this Christian thing by ourselves. God never meant for anyone to do that. That's why church is so important. That's why community is so important. And the call here, friends, is to pray for each other. So are you praying for one another? Are you praying? In your personal prayer time, what do you ask for? If you're anything like me, it's filled with requests for myself and personal things. Uh, how much more so should we just be praying for our church, 
praying for one another, praying for us to stand firm in the fight? Are you praying for this church? Are you praying for persecuted Christians around the world? Are you praying for missionary agencies as they send people into the mission field to tell the gospel? What are you praying for? Are you praying for this prayer request that Paul specifically highlights in verse 19? Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will be I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Are we praying that for each other? That we will fearlessly make known the gospel of Jesus Christ? What a difference that would make for us. This is the prayer we're called to pray. So church, remember what we're here for. We exist to love God and make disciples to bring as many people into the kingdom as we can because all around us thousands of people are perishing the devil's dragging them away and we're here with a weapon the word of God the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves lives and we're called to go out there and win as many as we can for God this is a fight for souls so let's pray pray for each other and keep praying for each other just keep trusting in Jesus to keep struggling against sin to not give up stay strong friends can I can I share this week as I was preparing this sermon some of you might know this that this is uh, it was an incredible struggle to prepare this sermon and I don't think I should have been surprised at that because I'm preaching about spiritual warfare and the last thing that the devil wants me to preach on is this he wants to just fly under the radar and keep doing his thing but I struggled there were plenty of times this week that I wanted to give up on this sermon I didn't want to write it at all and I'm, I, don't, I very rarely feel like that I was engaged in that spiritual warfare but let me tell you the only thing that got me through that that gave me strength was prayer me actually desperately asking God to help because definitely this did not come from my own strength and also the prayer of my brothers and sisters around me as I ask for prayer. We don't fight alone. We don't fight alone. So friends, why not today after the service, you ask the person next to you, how can I pray for you? And you pray right there. Take a minute to do that. We fight the war knowing Jesus has won the war. Friends, we talked about a lot today. Uh, there's a lot of different things, a lot of pieces of armor, a lot of different areas in life that we can be working on. But can I ask you to do something? Or maybe I should ask you not to do something. So please don't walk away from this sermon today and not do anything. Please don't walk away from the sermon today and not change any aspect of your life and forget everything that we've talked about today because you know what? That's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to go back and live your comfortable lives and not worry about all this spiritual warfare stuff, about the fact that this is the reality we live in. That's exactly what he wants. He doesn't want you to worry. He wants you to enjoy. Friends, please don't let him win. Don't walk away and forget. But make a change. I encourage you to just pick one thing. There's plenty of things we talked about. Just one thing that you're going to make a concrete change on. You can write that down in your outline. There's a space there. One thing that you can make a concrete change on. Share that with someone. 
keep accountable. Don't let, let this be something that you forget. We need to fight. Let's fight together. But let's fight knowing that Jesus has won the war. Let's give him thanks for that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who has crushed the devil's head under his feet. That he was, that, that's the promise that's been given all the way from Genesis, and Jesus Christ has done that, that he's disarmed the devil's greatest weapon, death. Thank you for eternal life that is given through Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have the victory, even though it seems sometimes that we are losing. Help us to stand firm, stand firm and fight and to persevere and to help each other in this. We are in a real struggle. But give us strength, Father, to do this. And give us strength to support each other in this. And we give you thanks again that Jesus is the King and the Lord of all nations. In his name we pray.